A lot of great things coming to Rock Hill. It really was the people of Rock Hill. How many things does Rock Hill have going on? And you get to be a part of that. Now it's like, wow, I want to be there. I want to live there. I want to go there. It is extraordinary. The changes that have happened and what I really believe is just the next really great city in South Carolina. Hello and welcome into Rock Hill CityCast, where we aim to keep you informed on all things going on inside the city of Rock Hill. My name is Matthew Cray, your host. We're recording here at City Hall upstairs in our beautiful recording studio, and we brought back an old face into his old stomping grounds, former Rock Hill Mayor Doug Eccles. How are you? I'm good, Matthew. Thank you. I appreciate you having me on. And now, former is the former mayor Doug Eccles. That's the correct thing to call you, right? The well, correct terminology. I, th I think so. I had someone introduce me recently as the old mayor, and I, I, I quickly corrected them. <laughs> I thought well, I'd rather be the former mayor than the old mayor. <laughs> <laughs> old, but uh, still young. That's the, right. The young mayor of Rock Hill. Uh, so. Uh, welcome back, Thank obviously. You. Thank How's you. How's it feel to be back in the building? Yeah, it feels great. <laughs> yeah. Um, so you've been retired for <clears throat> well, five this years? Is, this is the fifth year, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, so I guess let's just back up and, and talk about how did you end up even becoming mayor of Rock Hill back in the day? Well, I was on the city council for two terms. Okay. Uh, actually, and they were separated. I was on... Uh, from 80 to 84 and then got beat and stayed out until 94 and uh, you know went back on the city council and then when Betty Jo Ray decided not to run you know I I decided that I would make a uh, make a move to try to you know fill her spot which you really can't ever you know fill Betty Jo's shoes yeah. but anyway it was with her blessing and and she encouraged me and so uh, I uh, I ran and won and just was very fortunate to have a long tenure as mayor and, and serve the people of Rock Hill. I, it, was a, it was a great pleasure, and I thoroughly enjoyed uh, every minute of it. But, you know, I had five terms, and so that was 20 years, and I thought, well, you know, it's maybe time to her someone else, and, uh, you know, I need to try to think about doing some other things myself. So I, I, uh, I just decided not to run for another term. Now, were you born in Rock Hill? No, I wasn't. Uh, I was born in Florida, actually. Okay, and, we're in Florida. Uh, Daytona Beach. All right. And I, I uh, lived in a little place called Mulberry, Florida. It was a phosphate mining town, small town, about 1,500 people. And I ended up going to Mars Hill College, north of Asheville. Uh, and uh, I, I've jokingly told people that I... Uh, I went up there to play football, and fortunately, I got an <laughs> education and a bride, so it turned out pretty good. And got to play football too. So, so you did actually go there to play football. I did. What go position there. were you? I, did. I was an offensive guard. Okay. Yeah. I can't imagine that myself right now, but <laughs> well, I, I was I probably was about forty pounds heavier okay, than I yeah. am now. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So, how did you get from Mars Hill playing offensive lineman yeah. uh, to Rock Hill? Well, we went to, uh, after graduation, um, I went to Florida, and I started my teaching and coaching career down there. And then in 68, uh, my wife graduated from Mars Hill. We had met there, and, and we got married, and uh, we, were st we stayed in Florida for another couple of years. And uh, Sylvia and I decided that uh, we were both going to try to go to graduate school. So we went to Western Carolina University. 
uh, in Western North Carolina, and I coached football, freshman football there while I was working on my master's degree. And after a year, I was very fortunate at a young age to get the uh, head coaching job, head football coaching job, and athletic director's job at Northwestern High School. I was I was 25 in, wow. 19, in 1971, and uh, yeah, I was I was I was young. I was I was young enough where I thought I knew everything, and now I realize I knew nothing. <laughs> wow! So you you were an AD at 25. Yeah, yeah. The, there's there was just recently. Uh, North Carolina, I believe they had a girl who graduated from their lacrosse team or field mm-hmm. hockey, and they just hired her back to coach. Oh, really? So she's like 23, about to coach a college field hockey team. Oh, my. I can yeah. only imagine. All right. Um, and so you were you were the Northwestern AD. How did that eventually turn into a uh, public service city council member? Well, when we came to Rock Hill, uh, I have to admit that I really never really planned on staying. You know, I had that coaching bug, and uh, so – with that, you also get you keep a bag packed most of the time, you know, because you're going you're gonna to move around. But we fell in love with the community, really. And then we began to have a family, and we knew we wanted to stay here. So both my children were born here, and Sylvia and I decided to invest ourselves in the community. And I got out of coaching once we had children and uh, moved into, uh, you know, other things. I, I worked in the Clover School District for a while as a— administrator for a special project that was going on over there and then eventually and then I did a project in the Fort Mill School District for a couple years and then uh, I was hired at Winthrop as the as the first business manager when they were the Winthrop Coliseum was still under under construction but the plan at the time was that the athletic department would manage the Winthrop Coliseum and they still do but they would use whatever revenues they could generate to help make a move to the NCAA. So we had a lot of different kinds of activities in there, and as well as numerous uh, sporting programs were, you know, were housed there and that kind of thing. So including the basketball program and all that got started. And uh, so, you know, from that, um, uh, you know, that kind of uh, continued us staying here in Rock Hill. And then I was fortunate enough to become the first commissioner of the South Atlantic Conference, which was an okay. NCAA Division II league. Yeah. And so had nine colleges in three states we worked with. And so that was it. So we've been able to stay here in Rock Hill, which has been a blessing for us. As I said, our children were born here. We raised our family here. And we serve this community and, you know, uh, on city council and then as mayor. And so it's really been a real blessing for for us and our family awesome we're going to come back to your story i'm going to put you uh, as we do with all our guests on the hot seat for a minute oh, I'm just no, i thought ask i was you, through with that matthew oh no this these are <laughs> those are just the about you questions these are fun whimsical okay a little bit out of the box type of questions so you're ready i'm ready dogs or cats which do you prefer I'm really neither, um, uh, but I think if I had to choose, I'd choose dogs. What's your go-to food at a ball game? Oh, hot dogs. Hot dog guy. What's the best place you've vacationed? Oh, I love the beach. Yeah, I'm a beach guy. First thing you do when you get home? Uh, Usually, uh, my wife and I have uh, sit down and kind of catch up for the day. What's a hobby you've adopted since retiring? Gardening. Gardening. Uh, Favorite pizza topping? 
Oh, I'm uh, like meat on my pizza. Okay. If you could have a wild animal as a pet, what would you choose? Uh, a wild animal as a pet? I think I'd choose a tiger. Tiger. Who is someone you would love to be for a day? Uh, I think uh, it would have been interesting to have been Martin Luther King. Mm. Did you have a favorite football player growing up? Uh, well, you know, it's, it's kind of interesting that you would say that. Steve Spurrier, who coached okay. all around the world, was, uh, was a football player at the University of Florida yep. when I was growing up. Okay. I, so I remember his name well. Uh, what's something embarrassing you've done in your life? Uh, one time I uh, was staying in a motel on a trip, on a travel, uh, obviously a trip somewhere, and the, uh, the fire alarm went off in the hotel. And so I ended up in the hallway in my undershorts. I ran out there real quickly to see if there was smoke, and the door slammed behind me. Oh, and, no. Oh, yeah, there I was. There I was. But we, we managed to work our way through that. Awesome. Well, you passed your time in the hot seat. There you go. Very well done. Uh, and we'll, we'll get back to a little bit more about your story. So I think where we left off, um, who, who inspired you or what inspired you to run for public office? Well, I've always had an interest in, you know, in local government. And in, uh, you know, but there are a number of people uh, I, I always appreciated, uh, you know, Betty Jo Ray on a national who was here locally, of course. And but John Spratt was always an inspiration to me, who served as our fifth congressional district congressman for a long time. Uh, on the national level, I, I grew up like a lot of people, uh, you know, admiring John Kennedy and Robert Kennedy and, you know, kind of what they what they stood for. And uh so those were inspirational leaders, but uh, I've had a lot of people through the years who I've considered to be mentors and people I've looked to as, as examples who've served other communities. So you got elected as a city council member, and then uh, Betty Jo Ray uh, talked to you about running for mayor. Uh, during your tenure, what were some of the big uh, debates or discussions that you remember or that stick out when you look back on them? Well, you know, there's... there's uh, a variety of things that come before the city council and come before the city as a whole. Uh, on the, uh, a little bit on the lighter side was when the city went to roll out garbage containers. You know, uh, our citizens and our community was used to having their their trash picked up at you know at an alley in the back, and you know somebody there was it took three or four people on a truck to kind of you know, to handle all that. And so this whole notion that, oh my goodness, you would ask people to roll a container to the street <laughs> and somehow it'd be picked up automatically. And that was just such a, seemed like a, at the time, people thought that was such a novel notion. And of course it was very efficient and very uh, cost effective. And uh, we're still doing it today. It keeps our city looking clean and nice. But at the time, it was very interesting. We actually had there was a gentleman by the name of Janetta uh, who, um, who rolled uh, in kind of protest. 
he got made a he took a trash can and put it on a little dolly you know like you'd move furniture around with or something he attached it to that rolled it into the council chambers kind of mocking the whole <laughs> whole discussion and then we had people speaking against it and uh, you know all that kind of stuff so, but it but we worked our way through it and and i think eventually everybody was appreciative of having the container which the city bought if i remember paid for for every citizen if i remember correctly and so they got the free container and everybody learned to roll it to the street and it's worked out well so, so people didn't want to just because they would have to roll it to the street well i think it was change it yeah. was just change and uh, you know it's just that people had had it done for them a certain way all those years and then all of a sudden you know here's here's a novel idea and but um i think it, it proven it had it proven successful in other communities and that was helpful to us where did the inception of Cherry Park fall on your timeline? Yeah, I was right. In the, I was right in the middle of that. I thought so. I just wasn't sure. Yeah, and of course that was one of the big decisions. Uh, that happened uh, when I was on city council the first time, and then I got beat because of of voting to support uh, to voting to support Cherry Park. But you have to kind of put a little bit about Cherry Park in context. One is. Uh, the city was uh, losing all the text, textile jobs. We were the city was the city as a as a whole was looking for a way to enhance revenues coming to the city. And these big sporting facilities and uh, that brought in multiple teams and large numbers of of weekend visitors pumped money into the economy without really having much expense or taking taking money out of the community. Now there was an expense of building Cherry Park, uh, and and Cherry Park was actually Joe Lanford's idea, and 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 the mayor at the time was Betty Jo Ray, and she was very supportive of that, as I was, and as was Melford Wilson, and I don't remember what the final vote was, but we had at least four and uh, four votes, and it may have been five, I don't recall. Anyway, um, it, it turned out to be successful, and. Uh, I think it also started the whole idea once the Parks and Recreation Department started uh, looking at economic impact as a value of recreation facilities. All of a sudden, people started understanding that because you saw you had, you know, you had maybe had 300 softball players come in for the weekend, stay two nights, eat eight meals out. You know, you being able to calculate all that with a, a good formula, and you could show that that brought in revenue and the the opposition to the the park was that it was just going to cost a lot of money to build well uh you know the site you have to go back to the site again and once again change the you know the site was basically a cornfield i mm -hmm. mean it was a big open pasture it was a large piece of land on uh cherry road the mayor at the time jerome uh had, and, and this i'm quoting him you know, he would have much preferred that to have been a shopping center. He thought that would have been great economic impact. Thank goodness we didn't go that direction because you see the direction that most shopping mm -hmm. centers have headed in, in, in recent years. But anyway, um, it, 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 as it turned out, uh, it was uh, the mayor was opposed to it, and he actually got out and campaigned you know, in neighborhoods where I was to get votes as city council member against it. So anyways, I ended up getting beat. But that was really a blessing for me because when I look back, 
that 10 years from 1984 to 94 was when my children were young and coming through elementary school and early, you know, middle school and into high school. You know, that, that was a good that was a good time for me to be outside of politics because being in public service can you know, eat away at your time. Three thoughts here. One, turns out Cherry Park ended up being a little bit of a field of dreams the way you're painting it, build it, and people will come, mm-hmm. you know? Two, it's crazy to me, a much uh, a little bit younger, to even think that anyone would ha- get voted out because they voted for Cherry Park. Uh, three, a question, uh, you, you said politics can take a toll. Um, at, you said looking back, it was a blessing. Was it a toll at the time? Was that kind of whole process difficult? No, I didn't see it as as uh, as, a, as a struggle at that time. Uh-huh. Uh, being a city council member is uh, is 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 less time consuming than being mayor. That's that's a different role and a much more comprehensive role. Um, but you know, our city council members spend a lot of time, and I did at that time, but. But being away from it, I think, gave me more time for my children, you know, which was a good thing in that in that window. Well, that, that's a good transition then. Um, one, why why did you feel like it was time to run for mayor again, knowing it would take more time and take you away from your kids a little bit? Yeah. What what was it about that calling that drew you back in? Well, the kids, I had continued to follow what was yeah. going on. Uh, and I, and then again, when I came back in, I, I did a, uh, I did four years on I did another council session, mm-hmm. a council term, and then then became mayor. So and my children were in college, so they had you you know, they began to grow up and and begin to have their own life directions and and that kind of thing. So uh, I just felt like it was a it was a time uh, to you know help move along some of the ongoing vision that that uh, that people were beginning to formulate about what the future of Rock Hill might be, what if, if in fact there was going to be a future in sports tourism, um, could we develop some other facilities that might duplicate what we had seen as a positive response from Cherry Park and and so that began to happen. It began to happen with the you know with the tennis center and then eventually Manchester Meadows and soccer. And, uh, you know, and then on and on. And, and now, most recently, in the last 10 years or so, plus so uh, years, we've got, you know, the, the velodrome and the BMX and the Criterium course and all those other kinds of things. And now the Sports and Events Center is, you know, it's just knocking it out of the park with people coming in and, and, and spend their money and spend the night, have a good time. And quite frankly, though, I need to expand that thought a little bit because... I believe that if a company is looking for a place to bring millions of dollars and bring hundreds of their own workers, of their workers, skilled workers in that area, they're going to go to those families, particularly if they're moving from somewhere else, and they're going to say, you know, we'd like for you to move with the company to Rock Hill, South Carolina. Well, those people are going to turn around and look, well, what kind of community is it? And what kind of amenities are offered there? 
And it's not all in recreation, no, but it's in the school system. It's in the way the community looks. It's the way it feels. It's in what kind of festivals does it have. You know, how does it promote itself? How does it brand itself? What, how does it think of itself? What are the race relations? What are the, what are the, what's the, uh, the, the statistics relative to crime? All, all of those kinds then are into it, enter into it when you've got a family in Columbus, Ohio, who is having to consider whether or not they're going to move with their business uh, options to Rock Hill, South Carolina. So and, how, go ahead. And parks, yeah. I'm just saying, and parks and tourism and, and all that plays a part in that economic decision and that economic measure. How did you and city management and staff go about creating a vision for a city for stuff that simply didn't exist at the time? Because it was, you know, a mill town, there was a roof over downtown at some point, like the, to what it is today where we've doubled in size at least and there's a vibrant downtown with lots of new development how, how do you plan for that when it, it just doesn't exist like it's not anything well I, I will tell you that it, it that whole process moves slower than any of us would like <laughs> yeah it, it, it takes time and really uh matthew i think it's it because it, it it in many ways it's like a jigsaw puzzle and you you put pieces you know together and maybe you have a little piece over here and maybe that little piece is is recreation and then you've got a section over here you're working on and maybe someone makes a commitment to bring their business here with you know 50 new employees and then you tack into you know you add on to that uh, a commitment to do road improvements and then the city of Rock Hill, which most people don't understand the real blessing of it all, has made uh, tremendous commitments and investments relative to infrastructure, water, sewer, fiber optic, you know, electricity. You know, all those things are pieces that help a company decide they want to come here and people want to live here. And then you have, you have developers. You have developers here in Rock Hill who... You know, they kind of see this little bit of wave, and maybe it's not a big wave at first, but it it calls on them to invest money to build build homes and build neighborhoods, and that and that kind of thing. And then you have a then you have a school bond referendum where people say we need to build a new school, and the community steps forward and says yes, we'll do that. I mean, if we were in a kind of community, we said no, we're not gonna we're not gonna build new schools, we're not gonna put money in public education. If we were that kind of community, I'm afraid it would hurt us all the way across the board. So, when all those pieces, and particularly when the pieces start touching each other, then in fact you have. You have a picture, you have a vision, as you call it. You have begin to have a picture of what it takes to have a, a, a true uh, community and a community that you know, attracts people and that people want to come to and that they want to live, they want to raise their family, they want to have a good job, you know, they want to have a nice home. All those kinds of things come together uh, over time, over time. Sometimes it's a long time. <laughs> what developments that have gone up since you've been gone did you have a major hand in uh, finding the jig, the the piece to the puzzle, if you will? Well, I, I would, I would really never personally claim to have. I mean, I've been. It wasn't part, just you, yeah. of course. Well, uh, I've been a part of the team, which is the way I like to think about it. Sure. And uh, uh, you know, I think what we begin, what we are seeing uh, unfold with uh, with uh, with Knowledge uh, Park, is, I mean. Uh, the dream that was there 
10 years ago is unfolding. And I can remember when we, we looked at schematics, drawings, you know, on a flat piece of paper and, and uh, you know, Gary Williams and Skip Tuttle and other developers said, well, maybe here's what we could do with this big piece of land that, that looks like a burned out third world right here in the, <laughs> you know, in the center of our city almost. And we could, you know, we could put apartments here and we could put something else here and there. And, and you know, we, could have, we might need parking decks and, all, and, there, and look at here where we are. I mean, we've, I mean, it's unfolding over the next uh, six to 12 months. I mean, it, it may be 90% complete from what that vision was 10 years ago. So <clears throat> I, it, I'm proud of that. I'm, I'm, I'm really proud of what's happened, um, you know, out at Riverwalk. I think uh, that was a perfect example of, of a excellent public-private partnership mm -hmm. because the developer came to the city and said, we want to build this, but we want it to be a healthy lifestyle community. And the city said, well, uh, okay, so perhaps we could do this, you know, if you could do that. And, and, uh, and that's what happened. I mean, we, you know, uh, we, we built, built a velodrome and then we, you know, then we built the BMX Supercross track. And here in 2024, we're going to host the world championship yeah. again. So, yeah. you know, I mean, I'm glad about that. Then again, uh, I'm, I'm real uh, pleased with what we're seeing as unfolding possibilities around Fountain Park. Mm -hmm. I used to say, uh, in order to try to break the ice a little bit uh, when we were promoting the concept of a park, then that you know it used to be a parking lot, <clears throat> yeah. and I used to say that that parking lot is an award-winning parking lot. It's the ugliest one in South Carolina. <laughs> <laughs> And, and people would laugh. I mean, yeah. and, but you know what? People would also go, yeah, he's right. You know, it's, it's ugly. And it was. It was just a big old piece of asphalt. So anyhow, uh, but now you've got Comporium, who owns property around that, their headquarters and others. But, you know, now they've, they've bought uh, property around them. They've bought property along the uh, – uh, <clears throat> after building Fountain Park Place, then they've, they've got these other sides of the Fountain Park that <clears> – <throat> I think are going to, you know, are going to unfold. So when you think about the three big cornerstones that we had going on that we had in discussion 20, 15 years ago, you had, you know, you had Riverwalk and you had Knowledge Park and then you had Fountain Park Place and all that too. So anyway, it was fun to be a part of all that. Yeah, so did, with Knowledge Park, did someone just – come to you or did you go to someone or do you remember the conversation where someone said hey we need to do something about this area and then they gathered a meeting of the minds what was the origin of all of that yeah well first of all you know you had this you had this property that was owned by the bank <coughs> and uh, it had basically been in bankruptcy and it's i forget the acreage now what the total acreage anyway and, you know, it caught on fire. I don't know if you remember or not, but it caught on fire either two or three times. And it was very expensive to put it out. Mm -hmm. uh, so that just added to the whole concept of this whole thing needs to come down. It needs to be demolished. This is, 
it's, it's, a, it's a burden on the citizens of Rock Hill because it's a health hazard, first of all, right here in the middle of our community, right next to Winthrop, right next to Main Street or downtown. And so after it caught on fire two or three times, and it cost, I think one time I heard that it cost us about $100,000 to put wow. out the fire. So, you you know, you can't, that's that's just throwing money you know, down the drain with water and so forth. So anyway, we... Uh, we began to think about concepts about what might about what might can happen there. And we knew that there had to be an outside, there needed to be an outside developer, an outside, another group. And we, we put out uh, a call for proposals and we had about five or six and actually ended up choosing, uh, you know, Skip Tuttle and Gary Williams and those folks. And, and uh, they have followed through on what they said they would wow. do. You know? Yeah. So, uh, again, you said you've been retired for five years. Uh, in your time off, has your perspective changed on any of the stuff that you discussed or went through when you were mayor? No, not really. I, you know, I don't think so. It's, uh, it's moving along uh, and, and with projects that are still yet to come out of the ground. I mean, the whole uh, the, the Herald property, you know, is now been cleared or mm -hmm. being cleared. And, yeah. And so there will be a new project right there on that spot. Um, there's the new there's apartments that have been op completed and opened, you know, since I was in office, which, you know, it took years for those things to unfold. So there, there's a lot happening in that. And I, th I believe that this is an excellent time for other economic development opportunities, uh, not only in the center city Rock Hill area, but, you know, in the surrounding area, too. I think that city was smart and economic development corporation was smart to enhance these um development parks you know where they would buy a piece of land put in the infrastructure and have somebody come in and you know put a put a building or a facility on a site and mm -hmm. employ whatever number of people so i think all of those things the other thing is that the city has been uh forward thinking in the needs for transportation and loop transportation i mean so we don't have bottlenecks uh some of our neighbors have uh, a lot of traffic bottlenecks right now which mm -hmm. which uh, we for the most part have avoided except maybe up around the interstate do you miss being mayor i do miss parts of it you know it's kind of like uh, somebody was asking me a question the other day kind of like you're asking me a question yeah. about some things somebody asked me about a particular development on earlier in a particular area and they saw some land being cleared and they wanted to know what it was and i said i have no idea <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm, yeah i'm kind of out of out of the loop uh but it was always fun to be a part of those discussions for me it was it was enjoyable. I enjoyed that part of the job, that visioning part of the job. So, you know, I, I, I miss that. I also, at the same time, I've enjoyed my, my time. I've, uh, uh, I've enjoyed my time doing some other things. Is there something that when people or you, you talk about your time as mayor, maybe something people wouldn't know about you during your tenure or a funny anecdote or two that you would be willing to share? Uh, well, um, it, you know, uh, it's interesting because a lot of times people, uh, when when I when I tell when I tell people that maybe are not from Rock Hill, from somewhere else, they might ask me, well, what did you do? And I said, well, I was mayor, and they said, oh, I bet that was awful. 
And I always say, no, no, it, it wasn't often. They said, well, people didn't call you at home or, you know, and you know, harass you about this or that and the other. I said, no. I said, people would call me at City Hall occasionally, but I very seldom got, you know, got, mm. uh, uh, you know, got calls at, at home. Uh, most of the time I found when people needed answers, uh, they just weren't looking in the right place. So if we could help them, you know, find the right place to ask their questions, they could get the answer. Now, that doesn't mean they always got the answer they wanted, but they would, they would get an answer. Uh, I will tell you one quick story, though, because we're in the city's in the electric business. One time we had a, you know, had a storm and the electricity had been out for an hour or so, pretty much all over town. And I had a gentleman call me and, and, uh, and did call me at home at this time. And he said, is this Doug Eccles? I said, yes, it is. He said, are you still the mayor? Well, I mean, I thought, well, if you don't know I'm the mayor, why are you calling me? But anyway, so he said, you still the mayor? I said, yes, I am. He said, well, I want you to know my electricity has been out for over an hour. My wife is trying to cook supper. I said, sir, my electricity has been over for all for an hour, and my wife's trying to cook supper, too. He said, well, I guess we're in the same boat, aren't we? I said, yeah, we are. Bye. They'll, they'll, they'll get it back on soon, and they That's did. That's so funny. Um, so what, besides gardening, what have you been up to the past five years? Um, well, I've enjoyed, uh, I've enjoyed reading a lot more. Uh, I, uh, I, I do a little bit of drawing, um, which I'm not very good at, but it's fun to do. Um, my, we, we've been up in, um, Waynesville, North Carolina, we, uh, for the last couple years, um, we have my wife's family farm up there. So, uh, well, I'm not a farmer. Uh, someone, I, I am growing some vegetables, and somebody said, are you a farmer? I said, no, I'm a gardener in training. So, mm -hmm. anyway, but we've had fun doing that. But there, I, my point was that there are always projects to be done. There's always a little corner of a pasture that needs to be cleared, or there's, you know, there's just a, a tree needs to be trimmed, or there's always a project when you've got a little Farmers bit. Farmers have their own jigsaw puzzles. Well, that's exactly right. <laughs> that's exactly right. So that's been fun. And um, we, we went up there uh, in March of 2020 and COVID broke. And so we thought, well, we'll just stay for a week or two and kind of see how this unfolds. And we uh, ended up staying for a year because we could be outside more and, you know, be, uh, you know, do things without having to be you know, around people, but it, it cut into our social life a little bit. So uh, anyway, but there's always projects to do. And, you know, my wife and I joined a church up there. And so that keeps us active and, uh, and we're involved in, uh, you know, in an association up that way. And so there's always plenty to do. Is there anything that I missed or anything you would like to add? No, I don't think so. I'm just so proud of what the city's doing. And, uh, you know, there's just so many good things happening now. And, and um, I think this is, we're fortunate to live in a place like Rock Hill, a community like Rock Hill. And uh, I think that, you know, when you've got um, uh, people like uh, Mayor John Geddes and the kind of city council we have, which is forward thinking, trying to always kind of look over the edge of the mountain and see what's coming and be prepared for that. And as I mentioned earlier, the, the city has done a marvelous job uh, under David V. Hahn and Jimmy Bagley in uh, preparing for the future with infrastructure. If you look at co some communities now that are having trouble 
uh, around the country with with their infrastructure systems, whether it's electricity or water or sewer or whatever it might be. I mean, you have to take care of those things. It's just like maintenance on your home. You have to do those things, and it's expensive work. But a city who is willing to do that and stay on top of that, then they're prepared when a company comes and says, we want to locate here, or a developer comes to them and wants to build another group of homes, or a, a, a business needs uh, the kinds of fiber optic or whatever it might need, and you can partner with others to make all that happen. That's what makes for a great community, and I think Rock Hill's like that. Awesome. Well, I appreciate you taking time to come down and step away from your garden to join us here <laughs> on the podcast today. Yeah, thank you, Matthew. Good to be with you. Thanks for listening to the Rock Hill City Cast. Episodes are available each week to stream on SoundCloud, Google, and Apple Podcasts. To keep up with City of Rock Hill information, Follow us on social media.